Hello guys, welcome back to Board Draw. We are on episode number 16. We're covering game week two of the Premier League. Uh, we're going to have a little special guest this episode as well. We've got the special guest flying. Yeah, come on. All sorts of connections. Yeah. yeah. How do you think game week two went? Game Actually, before two. we get into that, oh. hope everyone enjoyed our last podcast. It was oh. a special one. Got banger. the boys on. Yeah, it was a banger. We'll do more of that. Shout out to the podcast room. That was a sick little space. So, so yeah, if you're ever down to do a podcast, you want to do get your hand yeah. involved, yeah, check them out. Very good. But yeah, game week two, talk to me. Game week two. What? Uh, it, uh, do you know what? It was a good week. It was a good week of football. Um, some strange results in there. Some strange results. There was. Uh and it's all kicked off with Aston Villa versus Everton. Everton. Yeah. Gerard versus Lampard. Lampard yeah. yeah. The villains came out 2-1 victorious. Shit game of football though, in my opinion. It was two teams that really look like they're going to struggle this season. Two teams that are both very scared to lose and you could tell that. I think both managers know they can't play very expansive football both because the players in the squad aren't good enough and the managers also that. And also if they do and get turned over, their heads will be gone. Yeah. Like, I think like both of these teams are like one big loss away from losing their manager. I mean, Gerard though, um, Gerard and Villa, they spent a lot of money. They've, they've, so they've, much they've money. recruited a lot of players. So much money. So yeah. like, how can they be in a position now where they can't afford to play expansive football? Yeah. And they sort of got to like play this really narrow sort of four, uh, four, three, two, one. Well, the thing is, he's been in that Villa role with, like, his team. He's signed a lot of players, like you said. And he, I feel like he still doesn't know his best 11. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, I he think... has no idea what his best front line is. He's chopping and changing his defenders, the whole, like, Tyrone Ming situation. Yeah, now cause... Diego Carlos has ruptured his Achilles. Yeah, that's it. So, so he's out for a long time. Six to nine months, isn't it? So, yeah, it's like you're alienating one of your centre-backs for him... To now become your starting centre-back because the guy you brought in to replace him has been injured. Yeah, I mean, to be fair though, Tyron Mings had a pretty good game. I thought he was Yeah, yeah, I thought he would actually. play well, yeah. Um, but, like, how hard is it to play against a team who don't have a striker? Yeah, they. that's the thing. Everton, in my opinion, they looked all right. Iwobi looks like a changed man in centre-mid. Yeah, it's too, you know, sort of Joel Linton, like, yeah, he, the role swap. And he yeah, seems he to, looks yeah. good in centre-mid. But yeah, like you said... Do you reckon that's because he, he doesn't have to... He's not as like isolated basically I think for me his problem was always his decision making around the box it's okay. so bad at Arsenal he was so good at taking on players it's kind of like in that Danny Welbeck kind of mould in the sense that anyth- really talented player anything up until the box so good like top yeah. tier but then you get in and around the box and they shit the bed they lose they they are like their final decision making in and around the box is really poor so if you take him away from having to make those yeah. final decisions and you just let him play the ball in and around the midfield. I think he's got kind of Eze vibes in the f- sense that like, like you said with Eze, he always has so much time on the ball. Generate space, yeah. Awobi's quite like that. He mm. seems to always have time on the ball to do what he wants to do and I think this centre mid uh, role is quite good for him. Yeah, so <laughs> obviously Everton, like what's going on? I mean, Calvert-Lewin's out injured. Anthony Gordon's sort of playing a striker. Deli Ali's, Deli Ali's off for the shit test. Yeah, it's a, sh- it's a And it's not, it's not for a hair transplant. We've got to do like just like a segment on the absolute downfall that is Deli Ali's it's career. So, it's, jo- it's, it's, it's actually crazy. quite sad to watch it's because crazy. he was so good at He points. was like... So I saw Simon Jordan on TalkSport today saying that like 
Deli Ali was never as good as people were saying he was. He was. And I don't think people were saying he was like fucking the second he was, coming He wasn't going to be like Messi, but, but he like, was good. in that time, he was England's best prospect. Oh, he was going to be England's next goal boy. Because like, after, yeah. after Wilshere obviously had his injury like crisis. Before the likes of Saka, Foden. Yeah, he um, was the middle Sancho. Man. Yeah, so he was like that bridge between those two eras. And yeah, his career is just... Taken an absolute dive. And you see all the Mourinho quotes as well at the minute. Yeah, I saw those. Popping up being like, if you don't reach your potential or try to reach it, you'll always be disappointed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But um, Everton, they're lacking a striker and it's it's so obvious. I mean, Danny Ings for Villa got on the score sheet, a nice little finish. Yeah, it was I a thought, nice finish, actually. I thought Ollie Watkins looked fairly dangerous as well. I think that's the thing with Ollie Watkins. Every game I watch him, he's so dangerous, he just never gets the goals or the assists. I think his... He might be likely a Wobi in the, the fact that his decision making around the box could do with a lot of improvement. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, yeah, if Danny Ings can get fire of Villa, obviously we know he can do it. He's done it at Southampton. Yeah, he had like 20 goals one season. At yeah, I mean, he clearly is a good player. Yeah. So if, and we know he's he's probably like like not far off, like the sort of like second, third tier of like strikers in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, he'd be in that kind of bracket just below the likes of Harry Kane. Harlan yeah, he's probably was... like a Callum Wilson sort yeah, of like yeah, yeah, 100%. Player. But um, yeah, I mean, Everton lacking a striker. Anthony Gordon's also been linked with Chelsea. 45 million bid rejected. I know that he is now their like prized oh, asset. Yeah. But 45 million for Gordon seems like a fucking hell of a lot of money. I for think, someone that's uh, had surely you take half that. a good season. Yeah, I'd Surely take you that. take that and you reinvest and you get like a good like 20 million striker in. Well, like we said in one of the first episodes, I think the one where we previewed Everton, their recruitment is definitely the worst in the league. Well, I don't think they've got any money to spend. I know they sold with Charleston as well, but like, do they have money to spend? I don't think so. Well, they've got like a new stadium getting built and we know like Arsenal back in day and Tottenham now kind of, although Tottenham splashed the cash this window, but paying for a new stadium does take a toll transfer wise. You can't do the same business. Well, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's going to be a hard, hard season for Everton. I don't You'd love to see it. I don't know <laughs> do if Lampard is going to be there come December. Yeah. But the problem is, who do you get in? Who's going to want to take up that, that daunting job? Because if they get relegated, they are in trouble. Sean Dyche, maybe. He's in the... He's yeah. Around. Yeah. Do you know what? That's not the worst shot I've heard. But yeah, for me, Everton, they need to... The window closes in two weeks. I know the players... They got like that Onana. He had like a twenty-minute cameo. Looked he looked good. He looked really good. good. Yeah. It was crazy. His first touch led to a Villa goal, and then he's literally like third and fourth touch led to a Everton goal. He had like the craziest cameo. What do you think about uh, Dwight McNeil? Um, another person. I feel like there's quite a lot of these people in the Prem. Maybe we should get in the Prem. But um, players uh, are good until you get in and around the box, and then. They're just lacking that killer instinct. See, we're terrible until we get to the box. And then, then we're kind of good. Bosh! Yeah, we're like finding top bins every time. But um, yeah, he's kind of in that kind of mould where like he'll get to the box as well. Very techy. But then... But yeah. But then can't can't do the final the, the final, final bit. Bits, yeah, that's... Yeah. Um, We're going to take a little short break. I know we're only here for about 10 minutes. We'll take a little short break. We've got a little interview to do that. You'll be hearing later on in the episode. Um, get excited. Yeah. It's a good one. See you in a bit. All right. See you in a minute. So, guys, we've got a very special guest here today. He's going to talk to us all about his beloved Nottingham Forest, yeah. who have made their way back into the Premier League. The first time in what? 20, first 20, time in a while. Yeah. Years? So, this is Chris from the Forest All Over podcast. Chris, how you doing, mate? 
I'm very well, thanks very much. I wouldn't call myself special, but um, uh, forests definitely have a special place in my heart. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm an, I'm, an, I'm an absolute dreamland, to be honest. 23 years out of the Premier League and now we're back. Exactly that. Yeah, exactly that. I can imagine it's a kind of a... You kind of got your, your blinders on at the moment. You're kind of just taking everything as it comes. Whatever happens, happens. It's like back in the Prem. It's a strange one being outside the Premier League for so long because obviously there's a whole generation of Forest fans who've never seen their team in the Premier League. Absolutely. It is. It is odd. Um, I think, see, I started supporting Forest, and bear in mind, I'm from Ireland, right? So I started supporting Forest when everyone was supporting Man U and Liverpool back in like 1996, right? That was the first season I had. And they went down straight away, and then they came back up, and then they went down, and then they were down for good. But I had a little hint of hope in those, I mean, I wouldn't call it hope because they're both relegation seasons, but in those two Premier League seasons, I, I, I got to see Forest play in the Premier League. Um and yeah, there's just a massive generation of people who are like in their twenties or teens or whatever, who've never who've yeah. never known Forest being a Premier League. So in their eyes, it's just it's probably really weird to see them in the top flight. Yeah, it's it is a strange one. Um, so should we just, start? Would, yeah, we'll just, we'll start about... with last year yeah. and yeah. kind of. So last year the season started, and uh, you had Chris Hutton. And for previous seasons in the championship, I'm a QPR fan. Nice. So I, I, I've, I've Luke catching. knows the kind of being in the Prem, then not being in the Prem struggle. All too well, mm. yeah. Um, but yeah, so and one of the things about Forest in the championship was that they would always have these massive transfer windows where they would bring in tons of players and then they would ship out quite a few players and then they'd bring in loads more players. And so Chris Hutton came in and I think you were bottom when he left, right? Yeah, we were. We were rock bottom. And then, yeah, rock bottom. And then um, Steve Cooper came in. So initially, obviously, Steve Cooper worked within the England setup, had a lot of success there. Were you optimistic about his arrival? I'll tell you what. I mean, we had been through so much, even to rewind a bit further back from the year before that, where we had that absolute bottle job last day of the season, three points clear and five plus goal difference and in the end we we lost and slipped out of the playoffs oh yeah, yeah, I, yeah you might yeah. remember that it was steve cooper was actually the manager of swansea who got into the playoffs yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but a year later we had Hewden, and i thought he kind of stabilized the ship because we looked like we were relegation candidates the season before but then when he went on that run six losses in seven games one point out of a possible 21 i thought we were gone to league one i thought that was it and then hearing steve cooper had come in um I just thought, okay, I think this guy can keep us up. That's what I thought, which, to be honest, was a good thing at the time because we were doing so badly. And I'd looked at his record. Yeah, 100%. I'd looked at the fact that he, he won the World Cup with the under-17s. I'd looked at the fact that he brought Swansea to two playoffs. And I was a little bit optimistic with that. But never in my wildest dreams could I imagine we would go on the run we did, make the playoffs, get to Wembley, make it to the Premier League. That's Just do it the best way. Yeah, well. the best that way. way to do it. Yeah, yeah. unreal. Abs- I mean... Unbelievable, to be honest. And as a QPR fan, Luke, it's you, Luke, who's a QPR fan, right? Yes. You've seen this happen before. You saw when, um, I was a few years ago now, where Neil Warnock was the manager and Tarapt was in. It might be 10 years ago now. And that was like a... Mate, it was a long time ago, 2010. Wow, okay, it shows my age there. But that was a fairy tale season for Queen's Park Rangers. I remember it. I remember watching it, thinking there's no way they're not going up this season. And um, there was just so much going on. And there's a documentary about it, actually. I think it's called like the the four-year the four plan. Four year plan. Yeah. yeah. So I, 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 that, that's what it felt like for me with Forrest. It was just, you just kind of, 
of towards the end, you were like, I mean, what's not to believe anymore? We've beaten Arsenal in the FA Cup. We've beaten Leicester in the FA Cup. Yeah. You know, we it was like, I mean, you just, you couldn't, you, I don't know, you couldn't ride it, but you, you kept believing anyway. Yeah, I mean, the job that Steve Cooper did when he came in was, it was sort of unbelievable in the sense that you literally went from being this sort of easy to beat team where you're bottom of the league and then suddenly you've had this meteoric rise and you've seen stars develop in like Brendan Johnson, obviously Jed Spence, mm. uh, Keenan Davis, um, James Garner, Garner yeah. midfield yeah, as well. Colback had a great season playing that sort of uh, left wing back role as well. Sort of like reinvented himself there. Yeah. I, I mean, wonder when Cooper came in, what his remit was. Was it just stabilise the ship, make sure we don't get relegated? Or do you think it was maybe... Was it a project? Yeah. Was it like, we don't care, even if we do get relegated with you, you're going to stay our manager and we believe in what you're going to do for the club? What do you think his remit was when he first got approached for the job? It's hard to tell because with Steve Cooper, whenever a player is injured or something happens, he always keeps his cards close to his chest. So when he first Mm. came in, I think he was like, look, we're just going to do the best we can. But I think deep down, he was probably thinking mid-table. And then he was probably yeah, thinking yeah, okay. a season later we'll 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 go for the we'll go for like first, second or playoffs. Yeah. So I think yeah, he was yeah. thinking mid table, which at the time was very, very um it was it was reasonably high expectations considering the season yeah, before. I say, yeah. So I think that's what he was thinking. But I think the 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 chairman was like, just keep us up and win some games and then build a team. That's it. I don't think anyone could imagine he would do it that quick. And it's worth noting that Dane Murphy had just come in as well. He was at Barnsley two years before as our CEO. And he is, he's a smart, he's like my age. He's like 35, 36. He's a smart young CEO. And he, he was a, a sort of, he was the one that wanted Steve Cooper to come in. He picked him out of everyone because Wilder was in for the job. And uh, yeah, he's, he's worth noting as well. Well, he was the one in charge of Barnsley when they signed Valerian Ishmael and they had that like really good season, like sort of impressing that sort of gig and press sort of style of football when they done very well in the championship. He was, um, yeah. But yeah. Sorry, yeah, yeah. I just I just thought I'd mention it because the two of them came in sort of at the same time. It was Murphy, then Hewton was gone, and then it was Cooper. So and, and Murphy got Barnsley to the playoffs. So clearly he knows what he's doing, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um that was all last season. We'll start moving we'll move on and look at the, the glorious land that is the Premier League. Obviously, we're only two games in. But um, a victory this weekend against West Ham United back at the City ground for the first time in 23 years. I think since uh, the last win at the City ground was a 1-0 victory against Leicester in 99. Lads, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. Yeah, I can imagine. Like, like if, I, I don't even know. Like, I, you, you feel like you're in a dream and you haven't woke up. I was sat there with. Uh, I live in Canada, right? And I was with. Okay, no. I was with the Toronto Trickies, their fan group over here in Canada, and I was sat there watching it with everyone. And afterwards, I was kind of looking around, going, "Is this real? Like, we were bottom of the league a year ago. Is this? Have we yeah. just beaten West Ham at home? Has Dean Henderson West Ham. just saved a penalty? Like." Yeah, it was just Dean Henderson had a masterclass in. Yeah, it was unbelievable that game. He was class. He had a really good game. Yeah, I bet Man United were looking at that, thinking, "Oh my god, we could have done with keeping him." Yeah, hundred percent. It's crazy though. West Ham, who just um, had that crazy European run last season, like you said, you were bottom of Championship last season. It's how crazy how in like not even a year you two have kind of cross paths. Yeah, cross paths, and you've beaten them in your second game of the Premier League. That's just 
Crazy. It's magic. It's magic Steve Cooper as well. And I think that, look, to be fair to West Ham, they hit the bar twice. They had a disallowed goal. Yeah. yeah. And they had a penalty. So, like, they were well within their rights to take a draw from that game. We did get a little bit lucky, but we're still building and gelling. Um, Yeah, 100%. But, yeah, it is crazy how things can turn around. And that's kind of why we love football, isn't it? You know, one minute you're down and out completely. The next minute you're you're, you're up in the Premier League doing wondrous things. very... uh... Yeah. It's a very fickle game, isn't it? It like, is. On the topic of kind of your squad gelling and just kind of getting used to the Premier League, obviously last season in the Championship, you had quite a lot of high-profile first-teamers that were on loans mm-hmm. and then ended up leaving when you came up to the Prem. So you've you've had, let's say, quite an active transfer window, to say the least. Yeah, it's been... What is your take? <laughs> yeah, I was going to yeah. say, it's been a bit it's crazy. Been what is your take on... Yeah, what is your take on that wild transfer window that you've had? At first, when the window first opened, right, we just got promoted. I was at Wembley for that, the game. It was amazing. Nice. And in my head, all yeah. I was thinking of was like, let's, we, we had seven or six starting players on loan, I think. We had another two, yeah. our goalkeeper and Graben left. Um, so yeah. we had eight starting positions to fill. And then the rest of the squad, obviously, we need to build on. It, it, you know, if, the squ- if they're squad players in the championship, they're not going to be good enough to be necessarily squad players in the Premier League. So yeah. we needed to, to, to mix it up. But in my head, I was just like in awe when this transfer window opened. This was probably the craziest transfer window I've ever seen. I'll be honest, not just with Forrest, just in general. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. I yeah. agree. Yeah, there's like... So I've only known like someone like Watford did it a couple of seasons ago when they got promoted to the uh, from the championship to the Prem. They had kind of like a entire squad turnover and that didn't end up that well. It was kind of just like loads of players that didn't work together well and that kind of vibe. But they're the only other team that I've seen kind of go as crazy in the market. I think Fulham sort of did it a couple of seasons ago. They did, yeah. yeah. They kind of, I think everybody gets a bit crazy with the old playoff money, don't they? It was they? a little bit reminiscent of like QPR. After that Warnock season, we yeah. stayed up the following season. Right. And then we got Mark Hughes in and spent a ridiculous amount of money um, just on massive names with no sort of like reason. Um, the the fact you bought in, like, I think it's enough 15 or 16 players. Yeah, 15, 15 sign in. 15, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've heard two different perspectives. I've seen a lot of people saying, right, they're doing this the wrong way. They're just going for big name players. They're going for people who've like been there, but like weren't good enough. And then I've got the other end saying they had to do this yeah. because they did lose so many of their starting players. Yeah. So yeah. what's your sort of, where, where do you fit along that? Sort well, of obviously I fit in the ladder because I know what happened. I was there through the reality of the season and I know which players have left. I think it, yeah. the narrative in the media all started with Jesse Lingard. As soon as Jesse Lingard yeah, came in, did, yeah. everyone went, well, hang on, what are Forrest doing here? They're paying him X amount per week. This is a bit wild. He's not really played last season they're bringing this player in and then we started rolling with the other transfers and I think that they assumed Forrest were just doing a Fulham or Watford like you said but it's not the case we had to bring in 10 or 12 players because we we had eight as I said eight players who were gone anyway right and then eight starting players were gone anyway and then on top of that yeah you know it just you need to you know what I saw yesterday the narrative started turning in the last week and yesterday I saw something on Sky it was really interesting it was it was a bloke talking about how Steve Cooper and the team have identified what's happened in his previous seasons. Some teams come up like Norwich and they tweak a little bit and they play defensive, but they always go back down. The most teams who 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 try and stay and do the same kind of attacking style of football, yeah. but buy in 
and buy and bring in players. They mostly stay up. That's sort of the narrative that I saw yesterday, and I was pleased to see it because look at Leeds two seasons ago. They decided to keep playing their football, and they 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 ended up finishing I think ninth or something. I know they just about stayed up last season, but um, Brentford same thing. I know we've bought a lot of players, but we're trying to keep our style of football going, and we would not be able to do that mm-hmm. with the squad yeah. we had once the lone players left. I was going to say, I said this to Luke uh, a couple of weeks ago on one of our other podcasts uh, about how, like you said, if you're a team that's just come up, it's very easy to fall into the trap of, say, like a Norwich, where you you go from being the big fish in the small pond of the championship to the pretty much the bottom team of the league. You and you go from playing, like, go from playing so, like, yeah, your best football, low block football. Yeah. And it's easy to fall in that trap where, oh, we're the underdog every game. And we have to play the defensive. Identity. You lose your identity, don't you? Yeah. Whereas like, like you said, teams like Leeds, like Brentford, like Sheffield United, Wolves. they, Wolves, yeah. as much as it's scary being the underdog in most games, you've got to, you've got to stick with your identity because that's what's got you where you are. And I think that's what Nottingham Forest are doing well. It's not that they've kind of panic brought players that they think, oh yeah, he played in the Prem once, he'll be good. It's Steve Cooper plays this kind of expansive football that he needs. He needs the likes of Emmanuel Dennis, who I think is an insane signing. Uh, Taiwo Anii, um Jesse Lingard, these kind of players yeah. that can play this progressive football that Steve Cooper is looking to play. And yeah, I think the window, as crazy as it's been, it was necessary. Another thing, you pray in the Prem, you need depth all over the place. A couple of injuries to star men, and you can go from being mid-table to getting in the relegation battle, like Everton, who Calvert-Lewin got injured, and now they're pretty much relegation fight. So, yeah, I think you're going about business well. Um, so, obviously, Forrest have had this massive overhaul of the squad, um, mm-hmm. and whether you deem necessary or not, do you think it's going to impact the style of play that you sort of had in the championship? Obviously, you brought in a lot of new players, a lot of different players to what you had. Do you think the style of play and what we could expect out of Forest in terms of their identity will change? I don't think so, because Cooper already proved the last two games, be it the Newcastle game where we were very poor or the West Ham game where we were much better, that he's going to try and play the same style of football with those wing backs pushing forward, um, with Brennan Johnson slipping in behind and a striker taking down the ball and laying it off for our attack in mid. I think it's I think he's going to keep it the same. And we've just basically filled those positions that we lost in order to keep playing that way, except sometimes, I, in, in some ways, I think we've actually got upgrades. Um, we would have got kept Jed Spence if we could, but he went to Spurs. Now he's not playing, unfortunately. James Garner, yeah. we would have rebought him, but Man United left him out in the cold for too long, and now they want £14 million from him. It's too late. We've got too yeah. many midfielders. You know, uh, same thing with Keenan Davis. Villa priced him out, and now he's down at Watford, and we took Dennis instead. So it's one of those things. We would have taken our three players back that we really wanted, but um, we couldn't, and needs must, and you got to move quick in this yeah, transfer window because it's an early start of the season. Speaking of uh, Brennan Johnson... He had a, an absolute breakout season last year in the championship. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. Um, his link up with Awani and Lingard in, in the last game, particularly against West Ham, it was pretty exceptional. And is, is that a trio you're quite excited to look uh, to watch during the season? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think Neko Williams and Brennan Johnson know each other from the yeah, Welsh squad the as well. Neko Williams had an good, outstanding yeah. game. I thought he was potentially maybe behind uh, Dean Henderson, my man of the match for that, uh, for that game. Yeah, he's a good signing. Like, I know you mentioned Jed Spence and kind of there was a lot of talk about if you can't replace him, that'd be a bit of a nightmare. But I think Nico Williams, 
is probably on par with Jed Spence, maybe even currently because he's playing for Wales internationally. He's been in and around that Liverpool squad for so long. Maybe even an upgrade on Jed Spence. I think you're bang on. Absolutely bang on because I wouldn't. I would never say he's an upgrade because I don't. I, I don't know what Jed Spence's full potential is. I want yeah, to wait exactly, and see yeah. how he grows, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he does at Spurs if they ever um, <laughs> play him with their like yeah, six exactly, wing backs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, they just um, signed another one. Yeah, today yeah, Udogi yeah. or did yeah. they? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah another one. This yeah. is so Spurs, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. Yeah, and then they'll let everyone down at the end of the season. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I. I uh, I, I think, yeah, he could potentially be an upgrade. We'll see. But, like, the fact that we managed to bring someone in so quickly who yeah. is definitely at least on par was amazing. And thanks for saying that, mate. Like, you watched the game. You obviously saw how good Williams was. And it's, it, it was really clear from his first couple of passes that he's just something special, right? He's got quality, yeah. It's, yeah. it's easy to tell. And what that shows me as well, the whole getting Nico Williams situation in, is that... Obviously, the plan must have been at the, uh, when you got promoted that we'll try and get any of the loanees we had to sign. But it's not like, oh, shit, we can't get these loanees to sign. What is our plan now? It's we'll try. And then if we can't, we have already planned backups to each of these loanees that we can go out and get if we can't manage to get those loanees, which I think shows that there is an a bigger plan in the kind of forest project at the moment, which must be as a supporter ideal to see. It's unbelievable. And even just being a forest fan, not coming back to the Premier League, just to see transfer stuff yeah, being linked yeah. to players like Lingard and Freuler and Williams and, you know, even Dennis now, like yeah. bringing them in. It's just exciting. It's exciting, yeah. man. You know, yeah. for, for, yeah, go ahead. The OR links that uh, you're having currently, he was, it, he was linked with every top yeah, team. Yeah, he in was Europe. linked with Real Madrid, Juventus, Arsenal, not even like a season and a half ago. So to be in and around the conversation of getting him, that must be exciting. Well, yeah. I mean, it's incredibly exciting. They're saying it's almost a done deal. Now, I don't want to, I don't want I don't, I don't have any major contacts in there, but th- there's a lot of rumors right now on Twitter that are saying it's yeah. pretty much a done deal. That but he's probably, he's, he, yeah, it would be unbelievable. I don't know enough about him, but I've, but a lot of my mates have been like, listen, this guy is, he could be your best. Crazy player, so yeah. is he? He's, is he? He's, yeah. He's I, good. I, I, I yeah. He was linked. So I support Arsenal and uh, he was linked with us a couple of seasons ago before we signed Thomas Party, And um, right. so I did a bit of looking into him and he's young, so technically gifted. He has, like, so there was rumours of an attitude problem. But for me, yeah. I think if that is just rumours and he, he comes in, knuckles down, Stephen Cooper kind of imparts his project on him and gets him on side, I think there's an absolute player that you're going to sign there. And I'll be very excited <laughs> to see him in the Prem. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, uh, the- yeah. But the fact that he's linked with Arsenal, so I love the Arsenal boys. You, you, you lads are you're having a good season so far. It's only two games in, but those signings you guys have made, Zinchenko and Jesus, yeah, wow, like it's, no, know, it's yeah, I, like you said, it's an exciting time for Nor- uh, Nottingham Forest, but it's an exciting time for Arsenal as well. Like, I think for so yeah. long we've kind of lacked this project, kind of this overarching idea of where we want to go, and I think we've finally got that kind of vibe. And so yeah, I think it's exciting times for us as well. Yeah, yeah. Um. Obviously, we've heard a lot, almost too much about Arsenal's expectations. I do waffle on about season. Arsenal far too much. Um, I'm okay with it. They're my, my brother's an Arsenal fan, so I, I love the Arteta project. But anyway. Yeah, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, just sort of wrapping up, what for you would be a successful season? And like, what are your expectations come uh, game week 38, you know, the end of the season? 
So I, I said this before the start of the season, and this is purely based on Steve Cooper and what he's capable of. The man is our best manager since Brian Clough, and I and I don't know anyone that would say otherwise. Um, Frank Clark might be up there, but definitely, and we've been through maybe twenty managers since then, maybe more. But um, I would say our ceiling is twelfth. So that's our like ceiling. A lot of people might say we can do top. I'd say our ceiling is twelfth. I would say our low our bottom is 17th because i don't think we're going to get relegated and i would consider a success 17th your first season up yeah you stay up that's a success for me and i don't care what anyone says how much money we've spent we spent the same amount of money that chelsea have on two players do you know what i mean yeah no i totally agree i think any championship team that comes up into the prime anything that isn't relegation for me is just an automatic win the golfing you, class you just championship need to Premier cement League. yourself Back in the prem, you're, you're well. like you said in the media all the time. There, not on them forest, they're a sleeping giant, and you can't become this yo-yo team like the Fulhams, like the Norwiches that spend the money, get back up, and then come down. You you need to do it in a kind of a more thought out way. And if you can get in the prem, stay in the prem, couple more, a couple of seasons. Say you're in and around seventeenth, sixteenth, fifteenth for a couple of seasons. I'm sure the Nottingham Forest fans wouldn't mind that if that meant in like five years time, you're mid table and you slowly work your way up into the kind of the prem ladder and don't, West Ham done. yeah, don't, yeah. yeah. I completely agree. That's exactly what we're looking for. That's exactly what we want to do. And at the end of the day, I think this whole conversation can almost be wrapped up with, you need a combination of both. You need to keep the same type of football, but you still need to invest loads of money because you need the quality to come in. Yeah. And if you do both of those things, you'll end up staying up and that will be, a successful season for us oh, staying in the Premier League. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that about wraps it up anyway. Um, Chris, yeah, it's been great to have yeah. a chat. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks. thanks a million. Yeah. Lads, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah. I'm sorry that, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I've had a bit of a coffee. So if I was talking too fast, you're going too, nah, too nuts you've been there. Great, I you've been great. We'll definitely like, have a chat down the line again. Maybe we're not in Forest surprising everyone. They've snuck into the top half of the table. We'll, get you back well, listen, on. You're, an, you're, you're an Arsenal fan. We, we like getting fans on to our podcast whenever Forrest are playing those teams. My brother's an Arsenal fan as well. But when we play Arsenal, you know, I'd, I'd love to reach out to you and maybe 100%. get you on. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Or both of you on is fine. You know yeah, what I mean? 100%. Like, Drop us a message. We'll yeah. be glad to hop on. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to plug, you plug your podcast or your socials before, you, before we dip? Um, yeah. Oh, cheers, man. Uh, so uh, I am one of the hosts of the Forest All Over podcast, which is uh, between Nottingham and Canada. I'm in Canada. Matt's in Nottingham. Obviously, we're Nottingham Forest fans. And it's based on fan groups all around the world. So we get different guests from different fan groups. We've had Nottingham Forest in North America with people from China, South America, all coming on from different fan groups. But it's also about two best friends who sort of hate each other but love Forest. Uh, we that's, argue that's, that's us, but yeah. Like yeah. That, that's, it. that's it. The football is the common denominator. It is. And you'll argue and you will. And sometimes people call in, they go, why are you not okay? Yeah. Like they actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. they actually check in on us and we're like, no, we're fine. We're best friends. It's just like, I'm going to argue with them every time we talk about football. Yeah, exactly. That, that is the beauty of the game. That anyway, is. thanks so much for Chris, coming on, Chris. Pleasure. Really appreciated it. And uh, thanks for letting us uh, pick your brain about Nottingham Forest. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. A hundred percent. Thanks a million. And uh, yeah, this podcast looks like it's going places as well. So fair play to both of you. I Love appreciate that. it. Cheers, Thank Chris. You much, Chris. See you later. Have a good See evening, later. mate. Right. And we're back. We're about to talk about Rosie's favorite team on the planet. We're about to the talk boys. about Arsenal's 
4-2 victory over Brendan Rodgers, Leicester City. Um, the Gabriel Jesus show. Oh, yeah, I was literally going to say there's only one man really that you need to talk about when talking about that game, and it's Gabriel Jesus. Two goals, two assists. Best striker in the Premier League. In the world. In the world, maybe. Ballon d'Or. For me, he just, on your home debut, what more do you want? Obviously, it had to be nice, but two goals, two assists. And the, absolutely the quality ran of the, the show. The first goal as well. Disgusting. He has so little space in the box. And to pick out that little boop over the defenders, that behind Overwood, just delicious. Boop. Yeah, that was nice. Um, yeah, it was unbelievable. Martinelli had another great show in. Martinelli, outrageous player, mate. Yeah. Vardy had an absolute nightmare. Howler, what was it? Like, got done for diving. Um, he was just getting absolutely bullied on the pitch by his wife. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The whole Rebecca Vardy. Hey, do you know what? It's also sick. I love the new Gabriel Jesus chant. What's that? What? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. He's collecting all the Gabby's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah unbelievable. Um, just Arsenal keeping on this, like, fantastic run of form. And, uh, yeah, I mean... Talking like we've said all we have to say about Arsenal really. I know you want to talk about them forever, but Leicester they're just like, There's a problem there. There is me. a problem. I mean you've got Fafana, you've got Madison, Tielemans, and now even Vardy. Jamie Vardy linked with Man United, Man United. what an absolute mare. Like four key, key players in your team. Well, like in the you notes here you've got do they want so you've got do they want more signings before the window shuts? And it's a combination of, if you're a Leicester fan, we'll yes. put it out there to Leicester fans, would you rather the window shuts now and you keep those four players that Luke mentioned or you let it run the duration, which is what now, like another couple of weeks, potentially lose those, but you are in the you might be in the market for more. What would you rather? I think personally, if I was a Leicester fan, I'm looking for the window to shut now because yeah, if, you lose, if you lose a Madison, Tielemans, a Fafana or a Vardy, like in the next week or so, you do not have the time to re- to make to get an adequate replacement. Yeah, they're, unless like unless they're looking now and they already have deals sort of that we don't yeah. know about, and they're ready for it to. All right, so if if Vardy does go to uh, Main United, we've got another replacement coming in. But like, you can't really replace sort of that sort of talismanic striker that no. they've had over that time. I think like he's that. probably the one out of all of them that I'd be most happy to let go. You got Patson Daka, you got Inacho. Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I think for me, it's Fafana and Madison are the problems. If either of them two go, I know you'll get a healthy chunk of cash. You're saying like eighty million for Fafana and probably like sixty for Madison. But even still, like you said, I don't think they've got the time. Leicester are quite good recruitment wise. They have quite a smart kind of strategy in the transfer market mm-hmm. usually but for me like you said I think they've probably gone into this window pretty much certain they're not going to lose these players and probably haven't thought about an outcome if when they, they do, do yeah, yeah yeah I think for me yeah if I'm a Leicester fan I'm looking for the window to shut tomorrow yeah 100%, but, um, 100% yeah moving on we had Brighton nil, Newcastle nil. both teams keeping up their unbeaten runs at the start of the season Brighton did pepper Newcastle Brighton were all yeah. over them um strikers again sort of like Everton but Brighton are much better they need someone to put the ball in the back of the net I know yeah. they were just like the XG sort of gods of like the last couple of seasons Brighton but like they've signed Undav he's on he got you one you get him in my fantasy team he got one minute against uh, United like is he just not fit is he not is he not fitting into the system yeah does he not understand how they want to yeah. play I mean Mopey's off to uh, Forest apparently so it's you crazy know. in the market for yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Newcastle were poor, but I think both these teams don't have anything to worry about. I think they'll have exciting seasons. I think both top half, no doubt about it. Yeah, I agree. Um, 
Leicester, uh, sorry, Leeds to Southampton to other way around though. Talk to me about Southampton because I think I know we spoke about them in the uh, kind of team previews in the Southampton one, and um, we spoke about how they've had an okay market. Yeah. The likes of Lavia, Aribo, Aribo, good signing. Do you think they've got enough in them to not be in a relegation battle? Do you know what? I, I think they do. I rate Ralph Hasenhutl as a manager. I really do. But I feel like he, and I heard this on uh, the TIFO podcast, one, they were talking about it and they said he's always sort of in that boat where he's one bad game away from getting sacked. Yeah. But like... I think I listened to that podcast. Yeah. He, he, I like how he plays. I like how he sets up. But like, they also discussed whether he'd been given the right sort of uh, players to be able to fulfill how he wants to play. Yeah. I think the signing of Rebo is really good. I think he's a brilliant player. Yeah, great. I like Lavia as well. I think he's really smart signing. A lot of money. I think it was 18 million or 16 million for him from Man City. But I think that's a brilliant signing still. Um, I think they do have enough to avoid being in a relegation battle. But I really want them... To, I, I think they had a really good striker. They'd be able to, you know, be a bit more... Yeah, no, be, be I a agree. bit more sure about not being in that relegation battle. Leeds obviously went 2-0 no up. Um, I heard some Leeds fans saying that, like, what was Jesse Marsh doing? He uh, Before the game, they were speaking about... He was asked about, like, the weather, because it was, like, 35 or 33 degrees or whatever. And he said, Fucking oh, yeah, hot. I'm from America. I know how to deal with yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he made one substitution uh, like by, like, 60 minutes. And I think it was the Bamford injury. Bamford went off injured again. Um, and, like, it's like, well, if you're tuna up, make those substitu- substitutions. Yeah. I know you don't want to change your winning formula, but it is hot. You've got a lot of, like, tired legs out there. Get some fresh legs on. Don't yeah, you the likes of make... Adam Forshaw, that's the kind of player you want to sub on. Yeah, or it... click, like... Yeah, you know, just, just a short... short up that yeah, 100%, 100%. But instead, it fell apart for them. Uh, Aribo came on and set up one of the goals. And then Carl Walker-Peters as well scored the other. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think these are two teams. I think Leeds will probably finish above Southampton this season. Yeah. I think Rodrigo had quite a good game. Yeah, he kind of had a, a sticky last season, didn't he? Where he kind of was in and around the squad, didn't really know his best position. And then when he played, didn't really make an impact. But I don't know if it, because Rafinha's gone and he's stepping up a bit. He kind of likes the idea of being kind of the main man for a bit. Yeah. Before the likes of Sinistera get properly integrated. If Banford does get fit, whatever. So I I do think he maybe likes the leading role. And yeah, so I think Leeds... Like you said, I think they'll do better than Southampton this season. I think they'll... Yeah, I think they'll be all right. Uh, next game, we've got Wolves versus Fulham. Nil-nil. A big board draw. That was a big board play. draw. Like, Brighton versus Newcastle. That was nil-nil, but that wasn't a board draw. That, that was, was an all right game, game of yeah. football. Whereas Wolves-Fulham, stinky. Yeah, four shots in target between the two teams in 90 minutes at each... Yeah, I, I, for me, I think Fulham. That's fine. You're away at quite a hard to yeah. break down Wolves team. Wolves have got a fat problem, mate. They Going forward. They can't buy a goal for Who the love just, of they God. They just signed um, what's his name though, uh, Gonzalo Guedes from yeah. Valencia. He could be a really good addition because he's quite fuck progressive. Me, like I've never watched a team be so so Boring. impotent, mate. Yeah. It's crazy. But like they have no right to be because they do have really good ta- uh, Neto like Pedence. Huang. Yeah, I mean... they let. Well, I don't know why they let Fabio Silva go. He, he's, I think he's on like four goals in two games in, uh, for Anderlecht, which is... 
And I, yeah, no, for me, yeah, there's a problem with Wolves. Big problem. I think there's a problem. The less said about that, the better, perhaps. Um, but we the more the, said about we this game. The, next one. the more said, the better. Thomas Franks, Brentford, four, nil, Man United. Oh, nil! First half an hour of football, as far as Premier League first half an hours go, maybe I'll that might be my favourite first half in Prem like, ever. Would you rather watch that again or the, the first like 40 minutes of the Arsenal uh, Palace game? Honestly, that. I know we were really good against Palace and that was our first game and it was nice to see the zip, the energy. But lo- just watching Man United take an absolute battering. Eric went from 10 oh months my, to 10 weeks. Oh my God. I said, so in our predictions last week, I said it was going to be a win for Brentford, but I didn't think it'd be a royal fucking it was bad. I, I, that first I, half now, I've never seen shambles. You know what? There's no way they could be as poor as they were against Brighton. They were worse. But they were worse. They were worse. And every single Brentford player like, was up for it. And I think Brentford ran 18 kilometres more than Yeah, United. and then... Uh, and they wanted the Monday off. And then United... Ten Brent, half then I made, made them, them run 18k. Yeah. For me, United... So there's fucking the whole plethora of problems. We could do a 15-hour podcast about United's And maybe issues. we will. If they end up, say Christmas time, if they're in the relegation zone, we'll do a big Christmas extravaganza about Man United. But for me, I'm going to put it out there. One of my top problems with Man United is David De Gea. David De Gea, letting Dean Henson go. David De Gea, I know he's like perhaps maybe the best shot stopper in the Premier League. And he's like been their only good player for like the last, let's say, five six seven years but but he is can't, he is pulling you down he can't play in a system where you need to retain possession starting with the keeper he was at full I, I don't know the first was it the first goal where he goes to like the ball goes in the corner and he goes to like grab it like yeah. this so and that just, one's just poor goalkeeping it's poor technicality like the you just second get your, one that, like the first rule of goalkeeping is get your body behind the ball yeah and then the second one he plays it out to Ericsson who is getting pressed and Ericsson, so hard by every sign that Ericsson's given off is don't play it to me yeah I'm making all Ericsson's done him. is yeah is pull in pull Jensen in with him so De Gea can go over the sp- top yeah over the top just down the middle and i Harper on about this every single time I talk about Man United. But that defence, when it comes to football IQ, is so poor. They're all so stupid. I mean, Sorry. Even, even with Ronaldo but, um, on the pitch, yeah, I would argue that United's team's football IQ is bottom of the barrel. It's so bad. If there you have no... De Gea, who his decision-making is fucking shit. You've got Harry Maguire, whose decision-making is shit. Luke Shaw, whose decision-making is shit. If you've got all three of them trying to play... Play out from the back football, yeah. between them. It's a recipe for disaster. It's like when Arsenal used to uh, go back to Arsenal. But if you not that Leno's decision making is terrible, he's actually quite a good goalkeeper. But his passing out from the back is kind of like he the good with the ball. They're both feet. good shot stoppers, but they can't play out from the back. And when you pair that with the likes of Mustafi and I don't know Kalasinac, yeah, they're going to lead you if you want to play out from the back. But the, have the IQ isn't there. You're going to have issues. But now. Arsenal have got in a keeper that's comfortable playing it out from the back. Centre-backs whose IQs are good. Zinchenko, whose football IQ is crazy. Now you can do that, but Ten Hag's come in, not recruited properly, and then, I don't know if that's down to him or down to the board, but they haven't recruited properly, so they're stuck with these players that can't do this style, whose IQs aren't good enough for this style, but you're still making them do this style. If you do that against Liverpool, it's going to be fucking like 8-0. But the, so the thing is, yeah, like sorry, I got a bit vexed there. 
the he's pretty much inherited a squad that under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer saw the most success playing like this counter-attacking yeah. football, really fast in transition, which is where Bruno Fernandes sort of um, excelled because he likes catching teams when they're transitioning from attack into defence and he gets a lot of space to work with and he can make a really nice pass or he can make a run and then hit it from like 20 yards or arrive late on the edge of the box. But like, when you want to move to a style of play where it's more uh, expansive and you're very possessive of the ball, you want to build up through the thirds, you know, and yeah. have like this movement, um, creating spaces for overlaps, underlaps, whatever you want, even it allow your number 10 to float a bit more. When you don't have a back four which can play out and you don't have a number six who can you play as that pivot player and allow you to sort of break up play as well as play forward passes. Ericsson is not the answer. He's not the answer, but he's he's probably the best answer they have at the minute. It's so bad. But oh then you've God. got a player in Bruno Fernandes who isn't an eight. He's not really a ten. He's like a sort of weird mixed hybrid of them where he likes to, he doesn't like to shuttle the ball. He likes to play very vertically. Uh, and then you've got a player in Ronaldo who doesn't press, but like he will score you goals. And then it's like you've got Jalen Sancho who was phenomenal at Dortmund and we've seen a glimpse of what he can do but he's not been allowed to fulfil it. And then you've got um, Marcus Rashford who some of the decision making has to be just brought into question. What has happened? Yeah. Like, some ca- of the- his career trajectory is going to end up like Deli Alley if he I mean, doesn't buck up his ideas. Genuinely, there's been times where the, he's got a ball in and it's like inside the box and instead of playing like a cutback to the edge of the area where Bruno Fernandes would be arriving or Donny van der Beek or someone... He's just he's just smashing it. He's having pot shots because he's so frustrated and so desperate yeah. to get back I to where he was. I think that's the word. It's just everyone in that team is a combination of frustrated and just shot confidence-wise. And they're just making so many bad decisions. And it's a combination of they're making bad decisions out of frustration and bad decisions out of just being fucking thick as shit. Um, but I, I don't want to talk about Man United too much because obviously it was their mistakes that led to the downfall. But Brentford were very good. Yeah, let's talk about good. Brentford. Brentford were very they good. They were Round so good. Brentford. And like, that's the problem. If you beat like a big team, it's always the big about team's the big failure. Team. Yeah. But yeah, Brentford were outstanding. I, saw, I, I was listening to a thing where a guy said he spoke to a couple of the Brentford players after the game and one in particular was Joshua Silva. What player? And um, Joshua Silva literally said, we knew even to get a point out of this game, we would have to outwork them and we'd have to be at our maximum like work levels to be able to basically get something from it. Yeah. And uh, we had to put out, every player needs to put out a nine out of 10 performance. And they did. Like if you look at, I think there's a point where Tony comes into zone half and he bodies like, I think it might be Ronaldo off the ball and then he plays a forward pass. Like you hardly ever see number nine. Outrageous player. Yeah. Outrageous player. Is he the best striker that isn't Gabriel Jesus in the league? Huh? <laughs> Um, I'm joking, but no, Danny Ings, such a good player, such a good player, and him and Mbomo for the fourth goal. Do you see Mbomo and the way he absolutely burnt Luke Shaw running down? Yeah, he, Luke he Shaw. I Luke swear, Shaw all he's no, all he's known for is pace, Luke Shaw, yeah. really, and he got burnt by Mbomo. Mbomo is fast though. Yeah, I thought uh, Jensen had a phenomenal outrageous game because he's the kind of player that goes under the radar, and I've seen some Brentford fans say that. He's he kind of is just taking up a spot. He isn't really doing this or that. Like his output isn't always great, but for me, he works so hard every game. And you saw in that United game the way he pressed Ericsson, the way he's pressing everyone, but mainly for Ericsson for the second goal. 
that goal doesn't come if he's not pressing Ericsson. Oh, 100%. And, and De Gea doesn't make the mistake. Yeah, so yeah, like I think... You say, the, pre- the fact that Brentford went there with the plan just to outwork them and they battled for every ball and they literally... And I said this in the last uh, podcast when we talked about our all-time Premier 11s. They fought two for nail and they looked like it was many its boys. They were bodying United off everything. United players didn't look like they wanted to be there. Yeah. And I, it makes me think, you know how we spoke about Leicester? Do they need the transfer window to stay open longer or to shut next, or tomorrow? I think it's the same sort of with United. Like, we've got a lot of players here who are probably thinking, right, I'll put on a half-show performance and then I can probably be out the door and get like a not t- tiny little paycheck or whatever, you know. Or do they need to sit there and just invest heavy into players that will actually suit the system? Because these players haven't played in a in a cohesive system of, of progressive football. They've played counter-attacking yeah. football. And like when uh, United beat PSG and it sort of extended Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's like tenure there by Get like the contract 20, out, let him sign. By about 200 times yeah. it should have been. They, they can't play this progressive, expansive football that Ten Hag wants them to play because the players just aren't good enough. No. And until they get a number six in, I know Rabiot's deal was apparently off, but like, who surprised. can they get? Yeah, for me, get? if the plan was Frankie de Jong, they should have made everything to happen. Play, uh, pay like double the amount that he's worth if that's what it takes. You're Man United. You're already in the spot, uh, spotlight for spending stupid. Do it for a player that you think is going to be worthwhile. There's no point now bottling it and getting in someone shit like Rabua, but or Rabio, however you pronounce it, or like so now they're linked with Casemiro. It's like there is no plan. Yeah, there is. And like I think every player they've been linked with has suddenly come, like instantaneously come out and been like, yeah, I'm not leaving. Yeah, literally every player they get linked with Man United, they're like, shit, I need to try a bit harder in my glove. How the mighty have fallen. You love um, to see it. You do it just love is, to it see is, it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it was a hard watch. But it was also great to watch. We'll take Nottingham Forest back in the big six and kick Man United out. Yeah, I mean, how long does Ten Hag have? Because Ten weeks. Ten minutes. Come on. Yeah, like genuinely. I, I mean, I think it's though I can't see them struggling. Like, they will win games. And like, so we get against will they? Liverpool. Will they? <laughs> Is it Monday night? They if they Liverpool. fucking jam their way to I a win against Liverpool, I'll throw this laptop out I the really window, can mate. I see it happening. So, so can I. And that's why it's... Like, we shouldn't be able to see that happening. They've just lost tw- two on the bounce. Haven't scored a goal yet. Oh, no, they have. They scored one. But, like, how can we still, in the back of our mind, see them doing an upset against Liverpool? It's so annoying. It's because we know, like, the individual players, so they, jammy. Have, so, they do have Ronaldo quality. Ronaldo will score, like, a hat-trick for Ronaldo, fun. We, Sancho's a great player on his day. Rashford, on his, went, like, three, four years ago, phenomenal player. Mm. You know, Anthony Martial, when he's back fit, he had a really good start to preseason. He did, he and did. Like we've seen glimpses of him being excellent. Yeah, you know, I think there's a Bruno Fernandes, uh, Christian Eriksen as well. You know, like if Harry Maguire gets back to Leicester form, you've seen all the memes recently about Elon Musk buying Man United, and then it's like giving Eriksen the yeah, start it's car. like uh, like Eriksen with a robotic heart, and then it's just fucking just charging <laughs> down the wing. It's like uh, Harry Maguire's Tesla's driving to like Mexico, <laughs> yeah. and it's like Martinez with a jetpack on to try and defend corners. <laughs> Martinez, yeah. Oh mate, but oh, it's just a main idea and meme. That at the was moment, all, a, all a joke, apparently. Yeah, I would have loved to see that though. Yeah, yeah, big that would have been, been hilarious. Can you imagine? Get nice little with SpaceX. Oh, oh, mate, it'd be sick. Hard. Would have been hard. Um, but yeah, but, I think you know, United—they probably come under enough stick. They don't need us giving it. I will probably be back mark. next week to fucking banner them some when more. they lose six 0 to Liverpool. I bloody hope so. Klopp scoring a header. <laughs> oh, let's not even talk about Klopp. Well, it's. I think we will take a little break now. Yeah, we'll take a little break. 
And uh, we'll be back with the remaining fixtures. I think we've got Chelsea, Spurs and Liverpool Palace. And then we'll be back with our Game Week 3 predictions. Let's go. Let's go. Chelsea 2, 2 Spurs. What the fuck was that? <laughs> Let's go. Chelsea 2, 2 Spurs. We were at the pub to watch this game. It was actually quite a good game of football. Yeah, it was brilliant. I, it was... Best game of the weekend? I would say so, yeah. Just, it had everything. I'd, I'd say maybe second behind Brentford Man United. Yeah, but for different reasons. Yeah, this is like the quality of football from both teams. Actually... No, no, Spurs were stinky. Spurs were a bit stinky, weren't they? Obviously, you can't be super stinky to draw two all against Chelsea, who were playing some pretty good football. I think Spurs are very lucky to come out of this with a point. We, Yeah, there's a lot of talking points in this game. Should we start with... We'll start with the first goal. Koulibaly. Khalidu Koulibaly. What goal? What an absolute... It Whatever just, Rudiger can do, I can do better. That's yeah, what you're saying. Because Rudiger, Rudiger was always known for scoring some fucking he belters. He would just smash it for 40 yards, wouldn't he? So Koulibaly's just come in and been like, yeah, mate. The I'll, technique I'll on that volley was up there with some of the best ever. Yeah, no, it was, it was an outrageous goal. We were in the pub and we were like, I was getting some beers. And you were like, fuck me, centre-back doing that. Mate, yeah, crazy. I mean, the, you have to question, though, Spurs is defending from that set-piece. Because they've, they've gone for a zonal marking system, but they've left arguably... The biggest threat. Yeah, I thought that. Open. Like how you no one even marking his run, marking yeah, because, his area. Even, it was just even so he's bad. On the edge of the box, yeah, where he was, he was sort of just inside that sort yeah. of line. And you're thinking, oh, he's probably going to make a like a late run and get the momentum so he can get above the defender. And get he just had so much time to watch the ball come in, line up his volley. You can't leave that kind you of had time. Spurs in the box. players just marking so air. bad, so bad. And it's like, well, even if you're going for a zonal marking system, you should really put someone just. E- because if they have anyone near him, he doesn't have the time or the ability to hit the technique. Yeah, like either someone blocks it or he scuffs it because he's watching the player and or watching the ball. Just, they put a shoulder into yeah. him and that's it. But like, okay, you can't give a centre-back... You can't give a professional football player that joke, time in the box. It's a joke. It just doesn't, yeah. And then... Um, I've said in my preview when we were doing the previews of Team Spurs' defence for me, even with the recruitment... That is, obviously, it's going to be their weakest part because their front line is so crazy good. But their defence, for me, is a problem. I think they had a lot of issues as well in the middle of the park. Like, Hoibio and... Uh, ben and Cork Cork. They couldn't They couldn't really get anything going in the middle. Nah. Son was sort of marked out the game. Yeah. Kane wasn't really coming deep like we've seen him before to do what he does and sort of make that link-up play. Kulisevsky was all right, but he couldn't really get the better of uh, Kukurea. Um... Yeah, it was it was a strange one. Um, they obviously made some changes and brought on like Richardson and injected quite a lot. I thought he was quite good when he came on. A few mm. a few dodgy first touches immediately after coming on. Yeah, but he was a problem. Um, did they go two one? Was it two or two nil or was it one one? Two nil, I think. Two nil. And so the Reese James goal is really weird because Chelsea have overloaded this left side of the pitch. And Spurs have literally all come across to match it. And then the ball gets played into Sterling. And he's like on where the left yeah. back is. Yeah. And then Reese James is just in acres, acres of space. Yeah. Yeah. It's a whole football pitch where he is. And then no one comes across. He puts a pretty tame shot at Lloris. Lloris just flops. And then Chelsea are suddenly 2-0. And that's it. Like, Yeah, for me, Spurs' defence, like I said, is a problem. Lloris is a problem. I don't think he's good enough. I think Spurs, if they are in a game where their front line 
is being marked out of the game, like you said, they'll, they'll struggle to get involved because what they rely on is the midfield in the front line. They don't rely too much on defenders. They rely on midfielders finding the wide runners, Harry Kane dropping in, and just quick one-two pass round the defenders and an overlapping run to get in. But when Son and Kulusevski are getting marked out of the game, Kane can't get involved. They, they don't offer much. Well, even if Kane gets involved and the wide players are getting marked out, He's got no one to play the forward pass to, so yeah. it always goes backwards. Um, then we had just like some questionable decision making. So Jorginho. many shocking decisions. So, like, so the, first, the first three goals, yeah. Ooh, Taylor, yeah. Like fantastic technique on the strike, brilliant positioning by Reese James, and it was a good finish by Hoiberg. But like all coming from like just poor defending. And what is Jorginho thinking? Yeah, he's got two Spurs players on him. And he's do, trying to do a drag back in, in the in the middle of his box. Like, yeah, it wasn't good. It and wasn't it was a good, good strike from Koyberg. It wasn't particularly like venomous or anything, but he did find that like the tightest angle. Um, and like things like that happen. There's a lot of bodies in the way of Mendy. He probably didn't see the shot until it was too late. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got a question what Jorginho was thinking. He got subbed off straight away after that. And I think someone said that it wasn't because of that, but... Probably was. Definitely was. Let's uh, talk about the best part of the game. The scraps. The handbags. Oh, mate. So. That was that was brilliant. We get, what is it, like six or seven minutes added time because there's a scrap in the box. You had Cucurella and Romero Cuc- going at it. Yeah, so there was a couple of challenges earlier in the game between Cucurella and Romero. So there was already a bit of tension in the air. And then. Cucurella left one on him in the middle yeah. of the pitch. Like. But then Romero literally gets a handful of his hair. And just yeets him down. Oh, mate. Big red card for it's, me. It is it's definitely a red card. Red every card. day of the week. I mean, there's like, there's no attempt to play the ball because the ball's not even there. He just literally lengs him down in the box. What I don't reason. understand. But VAR, just, check it, and they do nothing about it. And then, is it also in the lead to the Hoiberg goal where uh, Benton called fouls... Havertz. Havertz, yeah. yeah. But I think it was so far be- behind the play that they actually couldn't, like, fit, like be like, oh, yeah. That actually did impact it. Yeah, the side yeah. note, the refereeing in this country is a fucking joke. You see Nigel Pearson come out yeah, yesterday man, I and absolutely violate just refereeing in I general. would argue that, I know I'm going to talk about QPR, but like Hit four, me. our first four uh, championship fixtures have all been dictated by either decisions going our way that shouldn't have or decisions going our way uh, going away from us that should have. Yeah, and it's, like, it's really dictated. It's crazy. And what he said, that he made a really good point in that it's all fun, fine when... Um, Referees can make wrong decisions because they can just carry on about their business. But say a couple of wrong decisions, like you said, for QPR or um, Bristol for Nigel Pearson's case. What if he loses his job after a couple of bad well, decisions? Well, that's it. And it's the difference between them making bad decisions and having no repercussions, ca- repercussions at all and managers having to put up with bad decisions and potentially losing their jobs. It's crazy. I mean, how can you argue that the that England has like the best football pyramid in the world when our referees are literally doing that? They don't get selected for like the international Yeah, it's mental because so we have all the money in the English game. We have all the best talent. Why don't we just... I, I know you, you get English referees in that system, but we should just get them from abroad. <laughs> just get them in. Ship them in, mate. Um, so, yeah, we're going back to the Chelsea-Spurs yeah, game. The handbags and all the chaos. Also started when Chelsea got their goal and Tuchel is sprinting down the line past Conte, who's got his head in his hands. And then he say, you see, he came out after the game and he was like, I should have tripped him up because he must have not have seen him when he was sprinting down, which I think is like, you must have seen him. But um, 
Yeah, it's just so that already got the beef so, yeah, beef stirring. Got the mate. players beefing on the pitch. Then it all kicks off, and then um, like obviously that's given the element of chaos. Yeah, brought into the game from all this, and it was on both parts. It was by Spurs and yeah. uh, from the Chelsea uh, side as well. But Chelsea, but, like, it's naivety. But, like, if if you're Chelsea, you want to just see this game out, yeah. even at two one. Right, you're thinking right. We need to slow this down. We need to take control of the game. We don't want, you don't want to get them amped up and angry. You don't want to 100%. get them fighting, putting that extra 10%. Spurs in. want this. Oh, yeah, 100%. And Chelsea, and it's naive that they brought into it. They should have. Let taken, Spurs get rolled up. Taken the sting out of the game. Chelsea should have wasted time, do some dives. Not that I condone diving, but egg oh, but it on. It's all part of the game. Just it? egg it on and let Spurs just. Be the, be the masters of their own downfall. Yeah, but and instead, they wanted to go blow for blow with Spurs, and it. that led to... And then, so yeah, you've got six minutes of added time, whatever it is. The Spurs get, uh, was it a free kick? What, for the goal? Oh, was it was a corner. corner. It was corner, a corner, yeah. yeah. And then Harry Kane gets his head on it. Arguably, Richarlison's blocking the way... He's like in an offside position, and he's like potentially blocking the view of the keeper. Mm. But it was deemed that it wasn't um, interfering with play. Harry Kane scores a decent header, to be fair. Probably the only goal, I would argue, in the game that was like, wasn't a result of poor defending. I think it's just mm. a good header. Yeah. But, um, and then, yeah, Spurs 2 all, all kicks off after the game, red cards for both managers, yeah. and that's it. But yeah, I love to see it, though. You do love to see it. And what I liked is Sky Sports saying that we do love to see it. Yeah. What I didn't like... Graham Sooners. It's Graham Sooners coming out and being like, it's a man's game, we've got our boys back. I was like, Graham, shut up, mate. You yeah, I mean, especially after the summer we've had. You, but like, uh, you, under- you see where he's coming from? I don't think he meant it in the context. By no, saying, I, like, I get it. It's a fiery game. You love to see that. But like, women can have fiery games. 100%. 100%. And so, yeah, I mean, we, oh, saw, I we saw the fallout of the uh, Euro final. The Germans weren't happy it's, at all. Exactly. Um, well, yeah, best game of the weekend for me anyway. Yeah, no, I think and so as well. I think Spurs will be happy with the point. I think Chelsea will feel they lost this one off their own behalf. And for Spurs, they always fucking shit the bed at Stamford Bridge. So yeah. a point is a good result, especially being 2-0 down. Yeah. Um, final game of the week? Final game of the week before we get into our predictions. We had Liverpool 1-1 won, won Crystal Palace. I like how you're reading this. Yeah, nice. Um, reading it how it is. For me, Liverpool, I know we were backing them to have a strong season. It's a bit of a wobbly start. Should we start with Darwin Nunez? No, no, no. No? No. We're going to start with Palace going 1-0 up. Okay. So Liverpool, Palace started the game all right, and then Liverpool grew into it, and they were sort of dominating a lot of passes around Palace. Liverpool were dominant for the... Up until the goal, they were all over Palace. Oh, yeah. And then it's a clearance that goes out to the left-hand side of the pitch... As a skips pass for being a lovely touch, by the way. Brilliant touch. Did you want to start on this so you can fucking gas gag, it? Yeah, gag Well, it's also Rezo. chronological, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, so you can ju- jump all over It back. is a beautiful touch. Yeah. Reminds me of Eze Evol before the injury. Okay. He skips past Fabinho. He had a good game. Absolutely left him for mince meat. Yeah. And plays a beautiful pass to Zaha, who does phenomenal. Yeah, his run. He, it was absolutely perfectly brilliant. timed. Perfectly timed. And the composure as well to slow it by. Who was it that played alongside Nat Van Dijk? Phillips. Nat Phillips, he had a man, mate. Matt, they look so much better when Joe Gomez came on. Yeah, I don't know why Joe Gomez doesn't start. And so, but yeah, Palace go 1 0 up, Liverpool thinking, right, problems. Yeah. Then, Anderson, throughout the entire game, has he been played in Masterclass. Egging on Darwin we Nunes. Said, we said this in uh, the first week when um, they played against Arsenal, 
how he was brilliant with the ball. And even though they lost, he was sort of like a shining star for them. He played like a different side to his game. This, Mate, this the dark game, arts. Yeah. Fernandinho would have been proud. He Mate. riled up Nunez. You could tell Nunez is a bit of a Larry little you. Did, did you see the way he like, slapped at the air? Like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a bit of a Larry little you. And you could tell that maybe that was in like the pre-game plan. The yeah. pre-game plan. Yeah. It's kind of rile this guy up, see what happens. He's This is his first game in the Prem. He's going to want to do something big. If you can get him riled up, we can do something. And he did exactly that. couple and, of yeah. pushes in the back and, and then, he triggered him. Yeah, and then Nunez lost his composure, Completely. head him. Out for three games now. Out for three games. Dan, Stupid, get him out of your fantasy, yeah. Dean, you clown. Welcome to the Premier League, Darwin Nunez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then a, brilliant, a, a moment of magic from uh, Luis Diaz, though. Yeah, brilliant. outrageous goal. Outrageous he, player, man. He is he's unreal. I think... Liverpool are really struggling to... Well, I say really struggling. We're only two games in. Yeah. And we did say this before the season. It is a, a period no, of transition yeah. for them. But like going from having like a false nine to an actual number nine is, is a big change. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I think... And obviously, they, had, they were missing a lot of key players. Yeah. Um, due to the witchcraft or the witch... The juge. The juge that uh, Klopp um, was referencing. But I mean... Liverpool have now obviously dropped two points against Fulham. And then... Uh, two points against uh, Palace, Palace yeah. so four points. How many of the last like five or six seasons would that was that been decisive in? Do you know what I mean? And I like, think this is probably bold to say already. I think they're out of the title race. I think I can't see City dropping four points without. I mean, I can see City dropping four points, yeah. but I think Liverpool will also drop more points going in, into yeah, the season. I think Liverpool have it in them to lose a couple more, and if they do, say City only lose two games this season. I mean, they Liverpool can only afford to lose two more. Exactly, points. and so for me, um, like you were saying about how uh, Liverpool transitioning into a new striker model now, City are doing the same, but City have done it and kicked on immediately. Arguably, City's opening fix. Actually, I was to say they're not even easier because they've had West Ham, who are quite a hard game. We haven't even spoke about City this episode. But they they just, won four nil against Bournemouth. They just Is slapped up Bournemouth, and they kind of disappointed I us because you predicted five, I predicted six. Why did they stop at four? Did uh, Harlan had like two tu- two passes or something in this game? Yeah, two passes, pushing. eight touches. Yeah, I know so um, there was like a, po- a, a point where the ball dropped the phone in the box and he should have just squared it squared to it, yeah. Harlan. And, and then Pep came out and shoot. said after that, he was like, the boys need to get used to Harlan always being... They'll know the where he is without even looking. Which and is scary to happens, think, yeah. You'll be scoring goals. three goals a game. Yeah, 100%. I think if, if they can get that down... The guy's gonna. The guy will score forty goals. Yeah, hundred percent. And that's why I think why Liverpool are probably out of the title races because City, for me, even if Haaland isn't ticking, they're still getting goals. Yeah. Whereas Liverpool, if Mo Salah's not ticking, I mean, we've seen if Nunez is not playing now, you're asking a lot from the likes of Luis Diaz and Jota. There, there are probably like two or three games this season where I can see City not dominating the ball as yeah. much, but like Liverpool. They did it against um, like Palace and they and for Fulham for like large parts of the game, but like they weren't really making anything of it. Yeah, um, it's not like they're hitting the bar, testing the keeper. Yeah, loads. but I'm not I'm not worried for them. I think they'll still finish. Oh top yeah, three. they'll be in the Champions League conversation. Yeah, 100%. but, but um, for me, I think it's just their lack of proper potency up top that City have. Yeah, Gen- yeah, hundred percent. Um. Yeah, I think this sort of wraps up the game week. It was a good game week. Good game week. Good Lots way, of goals. For me, Arsenal win, Man United get slapped. That's what, uh, literally, if I was going to like sign up for a game week 
and those were on offer. That's exactly Especially what Especially when it's Chelsea Spurs, you don't want Iden to win, so yeah. you take a draw there as well. Yeah, no, it was a good game week for me. But yeah, um, Ros had quite a decent prediction week as well. No no correct scorelines this week. Yeah, but, it's, um, not f- it's not fun when we don't get correct scorelines. Like, yeah. Like, yeah, like you said, I had quite a good one Like result-wise. I think I got six out of ten. Yeah. But... I I'd I'd pick like one correct score over. I think I had two or three out of ten. Yeah, you had a a bit of a stinker. But like, yeah, yeah, getting a correct score is fun. I mean, that's what I'm saying. I get a correct scoreline this week. You get yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So we run the yeah. yeah, Let's do it. Let's let's go for this week. This week's game week predictions. So uh, starting off on Saturday, we have the twelve thirty kickoff. We got Spurs versus Wolves. Wolves that can't buy a goal for their lives. But I reckon they'll get one this game. Okay. I'm going 3-1 Spurs. 3-1 Spurs. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs. Okay. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Spurs. Very nice. Uh, I'll go next. Palace versus Villa. Interesting game. Yeah, it's a good game, Because actually. we did see glimpses out of Villa where they were good. I think Palace were very good against Liverpool. And I didn't think they were particularly bad against Arsenal. I think Arsenal were just far too much quality for them. Mm. I think, especially if Elise's fit, I'm going to go for a... You seen the two nil Crystal Ishmael Palace Asar as well, Palace. Yeah, Ishmael Asar, Yeah, two nil Palace. Two-nil yeah, Palace. I like the sound of that. I'm gonna go. Or Palace conceding. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm gonna go two nil as well. You know. Okay, two nil. Yeah. Um, we've got Everton versus Forest. Who you got in this one? Uh, shout out my guy Chris. What uh, what guy? I'm gonna back Forest. You know, seven nil. Yeah, I'm gonna back Forest. I'm gonna go for a one nil win. A one nil win. Yep. I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw. I think that's where I made a lot of my money in, like, points-wise, is draws. There was quite a lot of draws this week, yeah, yeah. and that's why well, I got nice. But, yeah, okay, so you said one-all, I one said one-all for yeah. Okay, Fulham-Brentford. I fancy... Oh, I think, I think that'll be a good, I think that'll a be a good Derby, game. Yeah. I'm going to go two-all. Two-all, I think I'm going to go for a 2 one Brentford, I think Fulham will get their first loss of the season. Interesting, interesting. And now t- two teams that are very much struggling for inspiration, for kind of maybe even identity at this point in time. Leicester versus Southampton. Ah, uh, it's a sticky one. This I'm going to go for a two one Southampton uh, Leicester. 2-1 Leicester, two okay. Leicester. Yeah, I do think there'll be goals in this game. Leicester, what, they scored 2-2? Two and two. I think it's two bad defences. Yeah, I do agree, yeah. And you said 2-1 Leicester. Uh, I was thinking 2-all, but I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester. I said 2-all for Fulham-Brentford. That's the thing, it's like, do you get a fucking polluted brain from your other predictions? I'm going to go 2-all. Actually, okay. yeah, 2-all. 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 with Arsenal. Bournemouth Arsenal. I'm going to go for a... I fancy a 3 0 Arsenal. I'm going to go 4 0 Arsenal. Okay, okay. Fucking come on, the boys! Leeds versus Chelsea. Leeds versus Chelsea, that's a good game. That I think I think there's goals in there for Chelsea, but it's a case of. With Leeds, for me, they always do turn up against a big team. They're always quite hard to beat. But that was under Bielsa. But that was under Bielsa. So I'm going to go. It's going to be an angered Chelsea. I'm going to go 3 0 Chelsea. I'm going to join you 3 0 Chelsea. Yep. That's exactly what I had in my mind. Okay, West Ham Brighton. That's a good game. That's going to be a great game. West Ham fancy, currently in the relegation zone. I fancy. Uh, do you know what? I'm really struggling to see West Ham like, score goals against like well set up teams. Mm. Maybe uh, it's time for Skamaka to get a start. I think so as well. 
I think I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Yeah, I like that. I don't think there'll be many goals in this game. I think there's two... The opposite of Southampton Leicester in that they were two shit defences. These are two pretty good defences, pretty stable teams. I'm going to go... Oh, I don't want to go nil-nil because Brighton just had a nil-nil. I'm going to go one-nil West Ham. Is that what you one said? One-nil West Ham. No, I said one-all draw. Okay, I'm going one-nil West Ham. Newcastle versus City. Oh, that's a hard one. That is a hard one because it's not like Newcastle... Newcastle weren't bad. They're kind of hard to break down. And they always do seem to turn up against City. But for me, it's going to be a 4-0 a four City. I think I'm going to go for 5-0 to Man City. Jeez. Yeah. So we were like, Newcastle, they solidified. They're good. Boss yeah. battered. And Last game of the week. Round, yeah, rounding it up, we have... Best game of the weekend. The biggest game of the week. We have United versus... Liverpool. Ignore those. Ross is just a popular guy. I've disconnected my fucking iCloud from this MacBook and it's still pinging away. I don't know. People want to reach you, man. It's all the collabs. It's all the collabs. But um, yeah, Man United versus Liverpool, arguably the best game of the weekend. Monday night football under the lights. You got Jamie Carragher and Gary Neville on Sky Punditry. It's going to be carnage. It's going to be great. What are you saying? I think that this is the game. If United want to send a message that they're not as shit as everyone thinks they are. Um, it's got to be this game. And I'm worried about Liverpool in terms of they've got a lot of players missing. Yeah. Potentially no, well, definitely no Nunez, no Jota, potentially no Firmino. So who's going to play in that striker role? Potentially moving Salah over, having Carvalho go to the right. But um, I think Liverpool do have enough about him. I hope that Joe Gomez starts over Nat Phillips because he had a shocker. But um, I fancy goals in this one. Monday Night Football, I'm going to go for a 3-2-2. Dun, dun. Liverpool. Let's go. I hope Liverpool slap them, but I'm gonna I'm gonna be a bit nice to Man United and say, well, be nice. You're still getting pumped three one, in my opinion. But I'd love it to be more. I know you would. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that wraps up this episode, episode sixteen. I hope you enjoyed. It's gonna be a good week yeah. of games. Um, let us know your predictions down Football, below, baby. Make sure we're not gonna do a fantasy episode this week because we didn't actually have too much to talk about. Yeah, we don't want to chat too much fantasy. Give away all our gems. No, I'm joking. Um, it's just we'll be saying the same things like Salah's good, Haaland's good. The, ca- the captaincy this good. week will be interesting. Yeah, I think this will. week's the hardest captaincy because you got uh, Haaland against Newcastle, Jesus against Bournemouth, Jesus against Bournemouth, and you've got uh, Salah against United, a poor United team. Yeah, so uh, it's going to be very difficult, poor but, United. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, thank you so much to Chris as well from uh, Forest All Over podcast yeah, for coming out. on. Go check them out. All the links are in the description below. Now join our fantasy league. Enter our YouTube competition. Yeah, we, we haven't, had, we haven't had many. So if you enter now, you probably got a good chance. All you need to do is comment on some videos. That's and literally it. And subscribe, subscribe to our YouTube channel, That's and you'll be really into a chance of winning a mystery shirt. Yeah, look at be... all these gems. This could be you. It's gonna be a nice one. It'd be better than the ones back here anyway. Yeah, we we'll get you the new Dundee United. Let's go. The new Dundee United kit. Follow our socials. That'd be sick. We're going to start churning out TikTok comment, uh, content. We say this every single week. The TikToks are coming, though. We've got, we've got a stockpile of them. But we're making them. And yeah. there's some bangers. So um, head over yeah. to our TikTok. Let us know your predictions down pod. below. Make sure you follow us on Spotify, TikTok, everything, Instagram. We're nearly at 200 followers on Instagram. So get on there. And uh, if you're a 200 follower, we'll give, we'll, you a kiss. We'll give you a kiss. Yeah. Let's go. Um, but anyway, guys, thank you so much for watching. Uh, it's been Bordraw, And it's live.